Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Hey guys, welcome to ID Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. 
Thanks for tuning in. We hope you are having a great day. Wherever you're listening from, Sarah and I are just jamming along and feeling pretty good because today we had Dr. Joel Block on, and Dr. Block has a ton of experience. Sarah's going to tell you all about it, but he gives us a very specific outline called the 15-minute relationship fix that's basically a dialogue of how to communicate with your partner. And it doesn't have to be communicating something negative. It can be about something positive, but it's just super simple and easy to implement, but you have to do it. And that's why I am going to give you some homework. Apparently, like I'm the one that gives homework we're going to give you homework, but I'm going to tell you <laughs> about it. I will be the bad guy. No one likes to get homework, but you're going to like this because it's going to make your relationship better. But use this outline once in the next week. It might not feel comfortable at first, but do it and you will see benefits and then do it again. And you're going to see why Dr. Block has created this and encourages it. Again, it's nothing revolutionary, okay? And there are things we've talked about on the show before that that he's talking about, but I just really like the way he lays it out. And uh, and I know Sarah and I are going to, uh, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we will have been doing it because this is being released a bit later after the interview. But uh, I know I'm excited to try it. Yeah, and uh, just a little bit about Dr. Joel Block. Uh, he's a clinical psychologist specializing in treating couples. He's also a diplomat of the American Board of Professional Psychology and is an assistant clinical professor of psychology and psychiatry at the Zucker School of Medicine. And not only is he the author of the 15-minute relationship fix book, but he's also the author of over 20 other books on love and sex. So Dr. Block knows his stuff. And we hope you guys enjoy today's show. Hi, Dr. Block. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I'm glad to be here. Dr. Block, we've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your work. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, if I'm going to be a little psychological about it, um, uh, I grew up in Brooklyn and uh, mostly Italian neighborhood. No one got divorced. My mother was married three times. So I wonder, uh, maybe I'm trying to fix um, my history. <laughs> uh, also, also, actually, you know, I am a challenge junkie. And I suppose um, one of the most challenging things that psychologists do is work with couples. It ain't easy. Yeah, it's not, I can imagine it's not easy because it's not easy being a couple <laughs> and it, it takes work <laughs> all the time. So helping people through that is, uh, it's got to be challenging, but a worthy cause. And today we are going to give our listeners, and I know Sarah and I, some great advice with a very specific outline and tool to improve the intimacy and bond in our relationship. So why don't we jump in and talk about the 15-minute relationship fix? Sure. Okay, you know, first of all, um, there's a classic critical moment. And the critical moment is someone says something to the other person and 
it's disclosing and the other person reacts judgmentally. Usually what happens there is the person sort of steps back and over time they're saying less and less of things that could be judged as, as opposed to stepping forward. So the um, book really is about how to step forward in a way that's going to work. So it's called an emotional conference, and I emphasize that, that it's emotional. It's not a conference where you're making a case for yourself. It's talking about your emotions. So what happens is a person will first briefly state what the issue is, and then they'll talk about their psychology. They're teaching the other person about their psychology. This is how it impacted me. The pronoun they're using is I and me, not you. So it's not a blaming thing. They're talking about their feelings. The other person is listening, not interrupting. The second part of the emotional conference, all in one, all in a five-minute sequence, because the person, each person has a conference with themselves prior to the conference with each other. That is, they sort through their thoughts and they come prepared to the emotional conference. It doesn't talk, doesn't take long for people to um, deal with their feelings if they're really talking about their feelings. When they're making a case for themselves, that takes long, but this is not that. So that's the first thing, the most important part of the five minutes, taking a couple of minutes and talking about how this impacted you, teaching the other person about your psychology. This is how I work, is what you're, in a sense, explaining. The second part is, if you have some link to whatever you're talking about to your childhood. And oftentimes, if you have a disproportionate reaction to something, it's a hint. It probably goes back to your childhood. The third part is... What part of this that occurred between the two of you do you own? And if you don't see anything that you own, you're not looking hard enough. Because it's interactional. You, you're in a relationship, and it's interactional. It's a system. You impact the other person, the other person impacts you. While this is occurring, the other person is probably having two voices. One yours, of course. And the other one, probably arguing with you internally. My experience is it takes a couple of months of doing this once a week, 15 minutes, before you, your inner voice quiets down and you're actually fully listening and fully in the moment. After that, the other person goes. And they do the same thing. But they've prepared their conference separately. So they're not, unless they had like, they're doing this every night, at, every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, and on Tuesday they had something occur that affected both of them. It'll probably be the same agenda. But ordinarily, it's not going to be the same agenda. After they're finished, that is, well, actually, let me back up. After the first person finishes, the, the person who's the listener summarizes what the person has said. They demonstrate their understanding. They don't demonstrate it by saying, I understand. They actually demonstrate it by validating what the person said. And then the person who spoke um, is asked, did I get it by the listener? And if the answer is yes, the listener becomes a speaker. If the answer is no, 
there's a little bit more discussion in terms of so so that it leads to understanding. The second person goes and does basically the same thing, and when it's over, it's over. So after the 15 minutes, there's no discussion. Why is that? Because I want the people to be each person to build up the emotional muscle to carry the other person's different view. Most of us in a relationship, if we live to a ripe old age, we're going to be still viewing the world somewhat differently than the other person. We're different people. That's how it's supposed to be. So they're building up their emotional muscle to do that. Because the people who are married 60 years and still arguing are basically saying, no, 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 see it my way. And that's an argument that would continue for the rest of their lives. It's not about seeing it the other person's way. It's about understanding each other. Agreement in a relationship is optional. Understanding is not optional. It's critical because if you don't have understanding, you really don't have a relationship. You might have, say, a marriage, but marriage isn't the same as having a relationship. So that's the emotional conference. And there are a number of tools that that are built up. Listening. A lot of people have communication, they have it halfway down. That is a talking part, but they're not really good at listening, especially if it's something that's um, uh, somewhat provocative to them. And by the way, the emotional conference could be something that touched you in a positive way. It doesn't have to be something that didn't, that uh, disrupted you emotionally. It could be something that touched you in a positive way. Sometimes people don't deal with that either. In other words, they'll just let it go by, and the other person could feel, gee, I'm so glad you told me this. Um, That doesn't happen often enough. So the emotional conference is um, a tool. It's something that um, could help couples become more intimate because what I see is, like, you know, this is a little bit um, um, tongue-in-cheek, but... I say to people, I could walk into a restaurant and tell you who's having good sex. <laughs> how, how do you do that? By, by looking at who's uh, having a conversation? Yes. In a sense, that if I see people, let's say I walk in, I see people, they just started their meal. And they're already looking past each other. Or, of course, these days, they already have their phones out. So these are people, they already um, talked about their children. They already gossiped a little bit. That's always safe. But over the period of time of their relationship, they've learned, don't talk about this because. Don't talk about that because. And from how they fell in love with lots of back and forth and learning, and, you know, learning about each other, that started to close off. They can still learn about each other. Um, our story, the story that we had internally, the story that helped us fall in love with each other, that story continues. And sometimes I feel like an editor. Oh, we're only up on chapter, th- uh, chapter three. What happens? Chap- where's chapter four, five, six, seven, and eight? Uh, that is, life goes on, and lots of times people have learned to avoid judgment because. The person you're living with, who you're sharing your life with, 
their judgment, how they think about you, is more important than anyone else's judgment. Paradoxically, because of that, you get cautious. When you first came to know each other, you weren't as um, committed, and you weren't, you, you, hadn't, you weren't sharing your life with that person yet. But once that person is the integral part of your life, you can get cautious. And cautious isn't very passionate. They don't go together very well. So what happened was, is I developed the emotional conference about eight years ago. And the, actually, the FAQs, the frequently asked questions in the book, are, none of them are mine. They're all, I developed this with couples, and it evolved into a book basically from working with couples. And um, so the frequently asked questions are the legitimate questions. For example, one question could be, um, initially I had people just summarize what the other person said. Just make sure that the message sent was the message received. And some would say, well, why, why can't we be more empathic? And I'd say, well, we'll get to that. But right now, actually starting, just listening, and be able to respond in a way that shows that you listened is a good start, because a lot of times people don't do that. You could see sometimes when people are talking about something sensitive, but the other person, you know, they left. They're still there, but you could see that they're, they're now involved with their defense. So I learned that from the couples in terms of how to approach that. Um, other things also, um, one, uh, more than one couple said to me, well, we do this. What about actually solving the problem? What we're doing is talking about our feelings. <laughs> and, you know, when we say, well, we're doing is talking about our feelings, <laughs> people mostly don't. But um, my view of it was, if you're involved with someone and they talk from the heart, talking about something that's occurred and that's been tough for them emotionally, if you're really listening and the person's being honest with you and not judgmental, they're talking about their own feelings, not what you should do or what you should be, lots of times what I've seen is change occurs. You don't necessarily have to have a contract. Well, I'll do this and you'll do this and we'll change this. They don't work anyway. But if you're speaking from the heart and the other person is in listening non-defensively, it's, it, a lot happens. So that's some of the stuff that occurs with, um, with the emotional conference. Um, and it also, um, I don't get theoretical in the book, but um, it includes, um, you know, basic uh, foundation of research that's occurred uh, by people who do uh, research with couples. And um, it's uh, pretty solid that way. Well, Dr. Block, this is such a valuable and simple exercise that I know Sarah and I, we do in, in some form or another, but I, I think we can make this a weekly ritual that we, we get out the guidelines and really lay it down, making that 
deliberate time to to do this because it's going to help our relationship. And I want to just touch on uh, a few of the steps and talk about, um, I'm sure these are in the FAQs, but some of the problems that couples might have. And, and why don't we start with um, recognizing the that critical moment. So we talk about setting aside maybe one time a week to do this, but it seems like this would be very productive to do when you're having that disagreement as far as using this as the dialogue in the moment. Yes. So um, the emotional conference is once a week, but that's not carbon granted. It could be more than once a week. And some couples have done it more than once a week, but then you're bringing up another point and that is, so here it is. We're doing the emotional conference on Thursday and on Monday, of that week, something occurs, and it's distressing. And you know, if you deal with it the usual way, it's going to go south. The usual way in terms of um, um, pointing your finger at the other person, the other person getting defensive, and from there it goes south. You could have, you could say, I'd like to have an, an emotional conference about something that occurred. And the person I've suggested should respond positively within 24 hours. Um, or the other part, or the other option is, so something happened Monday, emotional conference is Thursday. Another option would be to wait. Now, why wait? Well, it depends how you wait. If you wait till Thursday and internally gang up on the person and think all the bad possibilities that you can think of, that's not the way to wait. That's toxic. But if you look at between Monday and Thursday, and you start thinking about giving the other person the benefit of the doubt, what might be going on with the other person, the way you would do with a good friend, um, that's a better way to wait. So you have two good options. One is to have an emotional conference that was unscheduled. And the other one is to wait and use that time and your resources to give the other person the benefit of the doubt and to soothe yourself until the time comes when you can speak about your feelings. I imagine another point that's hard for people, I know I need to do a better job of it a lot of times, is listening without responding. So your partner's using the I statements. What are some tools that that I can use to just shut my mouth <laughs> and and listen to to Sarah explain what is bothering her. Well, Sarah could say, um, "Here's the deal. You want dinner or not?" <laughs> um, no, but no. But the other part of it is, um, I haven't, I have, I haven't really had that issue, and I've done probably a few hundred of these over the last almost decade. Um, in the sense that I can understand that this, um, feelings are harder to control, um, but behavior is maybe hard, but certainly less hard than feelings. So all I'm asking of you is to maintain quiet for five minutes, just five minutes. Um, could it be difficult? Yes, yeah, sometimes it could be difficult. 
especially if you saw whatever the person's talking about completely in a completely different um, version of it. Um, but it, there is this emotional muscle that is very important because not only are you dealing with your partner differently than mostly occurs, but you also are becoming more self-aware, which is a critical element of emotional intelligence. When you are taking some time to think of your emotional, emotional conference, um, most people go through, can go through a week and I could say, well, how did you feel this week? They might say, fine. No, no, talk to me about some of your feelings that occurred over the week. They're going to give me a blank look. The week goes so fast and we're so busy, um, we don't pay enough attention to what we're feeling. We could be feeling lousy even. And someone says, hi, how are you doing? Fine. That's, you know, almost a reflexive answer. Um, over time, now, if a couple is, is particularly distressed, it will take a little time, but much less time than if they do nothing and just fight and just keep on um, alienating from each other. So it may take some time over weeks. I've said what I've seen is the person to really relax into it, be able to really experience the other person's feelings. It may take a couple of months. But if they don't do that, it's going to take forever, if at all. And I will say when Chase and I do put time aside to have these types of conferences where I speak for a certain amount of time and then he does, it's so much easier to actually sit and listen because you know you're going to have your own time to be able to express your feelings too versus in an actual argument, you know, you, you never know who's going to be able to say what. So I think that it is super helpful when you do have those allotted time frames for each individual person to express their own feelings. And you know what? Also, Sarah, the emotional conference, the whole thing together, now it takes some time and some discipline to put it together this way, but it's 15 minutes. So if Chase is speaking and it's a little bit agitating for you, we're talking about, first of all, it's probably going to be less so because he's not, his pronoun again is I, me. I'm talking about my feelings. So um, that's way different than pointing at you in terms of the usual stuff, in terms of, well, you did this and you did that. Um, so, and that's going to take maybe um, three minutes, maybe. Then, then the other person is speaking about how this links to their childhood. It may, they may see a link or not. I'll give you an example of something. Um, I grew up in a single-parent household, lived in an apartment house. My mother worked... Um, Retail, so she works sometimes very long, late hours. If I forgot my key, before the term latch key, kid, if I forgot my key, I'm sitting in the hallway waiting for her to come home. Okay, now it's years later. It's very early in the morning. I go out for a run. I left the door unlocked, front door. I come back, and the door is locked. One of the kids must have opened the door, didn't even know I was gone, let out one of the pets, and automatically locked it. 
I come home and the door's locked and I get hysterical. And I thought, what, I, what kind of reaction with that? I, could, I didn't understand until I remembered how it was as a kid sitting in that empty hallway as it was getting dark, waiting for my mother to come home. Um, stuff like that, I don't know that ordinarily without the emotional conference that people share that kind of thing or pay much attention to it. What would ordinarily occur is the other partner will come down and give you a funny look. You might get defensive. Who, who locked the door? You know I go out in the morning, and so on and so forth. It's a whole different experience. So getting back to is it hard to listen to the other person? Well, again, one, they're not pointing at you. They're talking about their feelings, some feelings that you might surprise you. They're also talking about some childhood issues that ordinarily they may not have talked about before. And then they're taking part, they're part of it. Again, it may be 90-10, but there's that 10. And so they've given some thought to this, and they're talking about, even if it wasn't something that was pathological, but they do play a part in it. Um, what would be an example? So um, a man... Um, Asked his wife about it, some advice, and she got kind of cranky with him. Here are the details. It was late at night. He had mentioned to her a little earlier in the evening he had a very, very trying day. So now she asks him for some advice, and he kind of growls at her. And he's doing the emotional conference in terms of, um, well, she's doing the emotional conference in terms of um, how he reacted toward her. When it comes to his turn, that third part of the emotional conference, what part do you own? He said, my timing was bad. And this isn't a, make it a horrible thing, but that's part of the interaction. Um, that the other person was, it was late, um, and um, the person didn't react perfectly. But that's, um, that's that, that last part, and I find, actually, that people have some difficulty with that. What part do I own? They're so used to feeling like the victim that they're not looking at what part they own and whatever the interaction is. That's a, grown, that's a growth experience for them. I love these real-world examples, or even if they're made up, because I'm sure our listeners can relate to these kinds of situations. And I want to touch on the links to childhood. And you gave that great example. It is important to recognize just how much our childhood um, circumstances or a specific event affect us later in life, affect us in relationship. It's really incredible how much that happens. How can someone personally examine there's this feeling that comes up that makes them triggered and they're trying to determine if that comes from childhood. How can they go through that process to, to make that determination? What, what kind of questions can they ask themselves? Today's episode is sponsored by our course, Spark My Relationship. We started I Do Podcast to get information to improve our own relationship. We thought at the very least we'll be able to do that and then to share it with our listeners. The guests are great and we've gotten a ton of valuable information, but we found that if we don't actually 
deliberately take the time to implement the strategies and tools that our guests give us, we weren't seeing the real lasting benefits that we desired in our relationship. And that's why we created the Spark My Relationship course. We've collaborated with 15 psychologists and therapists to create a comprehensive relationship course that not only teaches you the skills needed to create a successful and lasting relationship, but the tools to execute it. By enrolling in the online course, you'll have access to the same strategies and tools that marriage therapists teach their clients, including therapist-taught video lessons with workbooks and exercises to help you work towards accomplishing your relationship goals in less than 90 days. You'll also learn how to detox unhelpful relationship habits and learn healthy ways to interact. You'll learn how to disagree respectfully and communicate mindfully, as well as how to improve intimacy and reignite your sex life and so much more. Spark My Relationship isn't just a course for struggling couples. It's a course for couples who want to see their relationship flourish. If this is you, then you are a perfect fit for the course. So for a special offer for our ID podcast listeners, head over to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Again, for 30% off the course, plus special bonuses just for ID podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Well, um, a couple of things. One is there is um, the acceptance that the past is not the past. Uh, it's not past. It's still here. The other part of it is that, um, um, in my view, by the time we finish elementary school, let's say fifth or sixth grade, we have a blueprint for relationships. One of the things about being parents, your children are seeing, they're getting everything. They're seeing everything. And they're um, learning about how people relate from how you and your partner relate. That's, you're the most um, um, important people in their life. They have a great teacher. They have a great coach. But no one's going to be as influential as you and your partner when you have children. So that's all um, might seem just theoretically, but theoretical. But people need to know that because they think, well, what, is, what does my child have to do with it? Um, some explanation of how childhood affects you in terms of relationships, how you learned about relationships during those very important years, very influential years. But the other thing about it is the key is what I mentioned before. You have a reaction that dis that's disproportionate. I gave you the example, which is a true example in terms of the, the um, latchkey thing. Um, it doesn't have to be were you really hysterical? But when you realize that your reaction was pretty strong considering whatever the provocation was, that's a big factor. Um, the other part of it is that I found with the emotional conflict, especially people who do it over time, is that they become more sensitized. Once you start dealing with your, um, your, your feelings, and where that's going to take you, preparing for the emotional conference. Again, I suggest to people, if you're doing this Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, don't start thinking about what's your emotional conference going to be 
like at, at 10 to 8. Um, it's a discipline in terms of thinking about during the week. And it's, it's again, uh, my experience with people who've done it, including me. I did it for two years. Every Monday night, I worked at a hospital. I got off at 9 o'clock. I was home at 9.30. Quarter to 10, emotional conference. Every Monday for two years. Not only was it positive for the relationship, but it was a growth experience. It was both intrapersonal and interpersonal. That's what's so great about relationships, among other things, is that it's a mirror upon ourselves to reflect on ourselves and to grow. And I know personally, talking about childhood or emotions, I try to look at when I am triggered or when strong emotions come up when I'm relating with Sarah in communication or if it's something that bothers me. To me, like you said, that's a signal that there's something there. Um, there's something deeper emotionally, maybe it's from childhood a lot of times, that is is the trigger. So to me, that's kind of the catalyst that goes, okay, what what, what is that? Why do I feel so frustrated when Sarah puts my clothes away without asking? You know, it seems like a simple, it's such a simple thing. What There's something there. It's not the fact that she's putting it away without asking. And then I examine that and 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 then there's there's underlying things and then I can deal with it. So kind of looking at the the uh I guess the symptoms to get to the cause. So actually that's a good point because um um something like that where it can get a little tricky but certainly far from unresolvable and that is um it could, when you start thinking back you can think um maybe I had a parent that was um, uh, very strong in terms of in controlling. And this is a little bit of a link to that, um, that kind of thing. Or I'll give you another example of something. Um, person married to someone, well, let's back up. Person grew up with an alcoholic parent, and the parent would sometimes have been drinking, and when this youngster brought his friend over, the parent would act in some way that's embarrassing. When he grew up and married, he was thrilled that he married someone who was a teetotaler, who didn't drink at all. But the person, sometimes when he brought friend, when friends came over, adult friends, the person would make some jokes or some things that were kind of embarrassing. He had a very strong reaction to it. So the embarrassment wasn't from someone who was um, drunk and acting silly, it was it came in a different way. But it took him a while to figure out why am I having such a strong reaction to this in terms of um, my friend being my friends uh, me being embarrassed in front of my friends. And um, there are always links. It may take a little time to figure out, but once you start thinking about how you operate, thinking about your own psychology which people don't do enough, once you start doing that, you'd be surprised a lot of things that were unclear to you start to become more and more clear over time. Do people generally overcome those triggers or do they just learn how to manage their emotions better when they happen? When you talk about it and you get a response from the other person, it's empathetic. 
helps a lot. I mean, it depends what we're talking about. There's some scars that um, may not ever fully 100% clear up, depending what they are, molestation or things like that. But um, for most of the stuff that occurs over time, if you're really dealing with these feelings and you have someone who cares about you and seems to help, seems to understand, really feeling understood, again, not by saying I understand, but by demonstrating it, is healing. You know, when you look at the field of emotional intelligence, there's two parts to it. There's the individual part, things like impulse control, self-awareness, everything flows from self-awareness. The other part of it is the interpersonal. So there's only two factors. There's interpersonal skills, thank you, please, that kind of thing. And then there's empathy. In my experience, is people who have difficulty with empathy are people who are going to have struggles in relationships. Because it's really about empathy. It's about being with someone who understands you and demonstrates that understanding. The emotional, the emotional conference over time, because that's another research aspect of things, that empathy can be learned, can be improved. It takes some work, but it can be improved. And um, I kind of coach people to look at the other person's feelings. And over time, I've seen improvement. Through exercises uh, like the one you described, I imagine, like the 15-minute uh, yes, conference? Yes, because yep. we, we go from just, just feedback, demonstrate to the person that you heard their words by feeding back, summarizing what they've said without analyzing or, any, or, or anything like that. Just summarize their words. Get comfortable with that. Next. And take a shot at their, um, you could summarize, but also take a shot at what they may be, what that experience was like for them. And over time, more and more of what that experience was like for them. That is adding more and more empathy over time. So that hopefully a few months later, and again, it's only course of 15 minutes, aggravation takes much longer. <laughs> um, um, over a few months' time, the empathy starts improving. And that, that increases the intimacy in the relationship. It's about empathy. All of these things take, take work to put in, but, but it's work worth doing. And you've given us and our listeners a really great outline to apply to our relationship. Uh, before we finish up, I just wanted to repeat a line you said, and to me it kind of encompasses uh, a, why this is an important exercise to do, but that agreement is optional and but understanding is necessary. And I think that's such a, a great way to look at it. And and before we wrap up here, uh, are there any major points that uh, we didn't hit that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, I'd say one other really important thing, and that is intimacy is not about getting the response you want. It's about handling the response you get. Intimacy Real intimacy is for adults, for grown-ups. So it, it takes some emotional muscle for a real intimate relationship. And the emotional conference builds that emotional um, muscle 
it's like going to the into the emotional relationship gym for 15 minutes a week. <laughs> <laughs> that is another little nugget that uh, our listeners can leave with. I know I, I, yeah. I like that. And, and I think Sarah and I are going to deliberately do this 15-minute relationship fix at least once a week. At and least, yeah. yeah it's uh, such a great tool. And we really appreciate you coming on the show today, Dr. Block. Why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, thank you. Online, you can find me at drblock.com. It's D-R-B-L-O-C-K.com. And that's my website. There's something about my growing up and how I came to um, work on my own marriage. And um, if you want to email me, that's okay, too. It's drblock at drblock.com, D-R-B-L-O-C-K at D-R-B-L-O-C-K.com. Pleasure speaking to you folks. Great. Well, thank you so much. And all the links, uh, and we'll do a recap of the the emotional conference on your show notes page. So our listeners know to go there and that's at our website, idopodcast.com. And thank you so much for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Hi guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, We are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you were listening to a pleasure podcast For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.